0: Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us right now in a way that we can understand. We don't want to just hear about things that you did a long time ago. We don't want to just talk about history or theology, but we want a personal personal experience with you tonight. Would you speak to us out of your word and help us to understand who you are and the way that you love us and what you've got planned for this group of people and what you have planned for us as individuals. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I'm so glad. You, I mean, Who stole that eraser? Okay. Okay, let me... Let, guys, the first time that I read the Bible, here, let me tell you, we're, we're doing a Bible study night, and um, some of you guys, maybe there's people in here who have come to the Merge a few times but never really studied the Bible. Maybe there's people here who have never even cracked the Bible open. I don't know. But... The first time that I read the Bible was I was six. Of course, I'd, I'd heard my parents reading the Bible to me a bunch. And I was six years old the first time that I took a Bible. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading this thing. So I opened it up. And I was six, understand. And I started. And I didn't have a clue to what I was reading. But I worked really hard on it for about an hour. And then I realized that I was just reading the preface. And. So then I was relieved. I'm like, well, that didn't make any sense to me at all. So maybe the next part makes sense. So I started reading the genealogies of Jesus. And that was almost as hard, but not quite as hard. I was six years old then. Then I came to the United States when I was eight years old for a for a short period of time. And my mom, who's from Minnesota, and, um, we went up to visit her relatives. And my dad's from California. So we were driving from Minnesota to California. We stopped at a travel lodge. I remember this. We stopped at a travel lodge, and there was a Bible in there that said, you know, take me, I'm free. And I thought, I'd get my own Bible. And um, it had, uh, it was really, well, I I was born a long time ago, so this was in the 70s, and they had these long haired hippie dudes on the cover of the Bible, and I thought, that's really cool. And so I got that, and there was a little, something I could send off. And um, I sent off for this Bible study, and they sent me the Bible study. I was back, you know, a few months later, I was back in the Philippines where I was living, and they sent me this Bible study. And so when I was nine years old, I just turned nine when I got my first, like, Bible study in the mail, and I, I started doing that. And, I, and I've read the Bible basically every day with very, very few exceptions for the past, well, how old am I? I don't know. For the past how many years? Um, But, and usually, at least once a day, usually in the morning, usually in the evening, and usually multiple times during the day. And I tell you, the, the Bible, the power of the Word of God to change people's lives is incredible. But here's the reason why so many people don't believe that. They don't believe it because they use it more of like something like Google, a Google search engine, like, okay, I got this problem in my life, so let me just type in, you know, what does the Bible say about how to get along with my boss? And... I, I, there's some things in the Bible about how to get along with your boss. But but that's not the way the Bible works. And if we use it like that, really what, you know, I think what so many people want from the Bible is something more like, you know, one of those magic eight balls. You Remember that people, I don't know if they were still around, but, and by the way, I wouldn't use those guys, but but the idea of like, okay, I got a question of what I'm supposed to do with my life, so let me just, let me find something in the Bible that pertains to me today. Because that's not the way it is. That's, it's, it doesn't work like that. The way that the Bible works is by you knowing the author of this book, and you get to know the author, the divine author of this book by spending time in His Word. And you can't just come along and think, okay, I need I need help today. So I'm going to find a solution today. So I'm inviting you to let this book do life-changing ministry in you, but that that only happens if you are habitual about this. If you make it a if a habit to be in his word. Just like if you want to be in you know, whatever else you want to do, whether you want play electric guitar like Andrew Zapper, or, or if you whatever you do, you if you want to be good at it, you've got to practice it. And you learn more the further along you get. I mean, Andrew Zapp, when he started playing guitar, he learned a little bit the first day. Now he learns way more in a in an hour of working on a song than he learned probably in a week when he was starting. Guys, this is the way the word of God is. So some of you guys, as we we study this tonight, are going to be like, man, what was that guy talking about? And, and I feel sorry for you if that's the case. So just bear with me, because we're going to hit a lot of stuff tonight, and it's going to be confusing for some of you, and I don't know how far we're going to get, but we're going to try in the next 30 minutes or so. So here's what I want to ask you guys to do as, you, as we get started. If you don't have a Bible, then Annika's going to hand you a Bible. She's right there. It's gonna be, it, c- Coming to Bible study without a Bible is kind of like going to the beach without your swimsuit or something like that. No, maybe not that bad. Okay. Yeah, I want to ask you guys to tell me what are what are some of the major themes in the Bible. Love. I knew somebody would say love. Okay. Man, if I only had a pen that works. Okay. I bet you if we Okay. Okay. You guys you guys can imagine that you see this anyway. I'll... Okay. Okay, so anyway, just imagine that, okay, there we go, love. Green green is the answer. Okay, love, what else, guys? Redemption. Redemption, okay. Redemption. Redemption, strength, okay, thank you. You can pop those lids off for me. Okay, what else? Salvation, not that you guys can read my writing anyway. Salvation. Um, atonement. What's the what's the difference between that? salvation and atonement? We can talk about that. But uh, oops, atonement. Okay. What else? Social justice. Amen. Thank you. Social justice is a huge one. Social justice. Okay. What else? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Okay. What else? Grace. 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 Oh, you know. Wow. We we should we should talk more of these things. What do you say? Faith. Faith, death, wow, what about the opposite of death, how about life, we got a lot more about life than death, okay, okay, there is stuff about death, but that's not where it all ends up, okay, what else, say it again, patience, Patience. so you said patience, okay, patience, we'll just, patience, okay, what else, (laughs) what, giving, Giving? okay, giving, (laughs) giving, what else, goodness goodness okay okay jesus jesus finally somebody said jesus okay thank you okay what else serving serving sin yes sin sin and the and the, and the turning away from sin fellowship okay i may as well stop writing these days you can't read my writing anyway so i didn't need a good pen or an eraser okay I, we can go. What are, okay, maybe I should ask you to categorize these. What, what are the biggest of the things that people said? What, what are the most thematic themes of the Bible? Social justice is huge. Yeah. What else? Forgiveness. Okay. I mean, there. What's that? Vir- virtue. Okay. Now, now I lost that eraser again. Max. Okay. You guys can't read that anyway. Okay. There, there's, there's something, there's a theme in the Bible that none of you said, and it's all through the Bible. And I, I okay, just hold, so don't, so don't guess anymore. Time's up. Put your pencils down. Um, okay, so we're going we're gonna to go back to Acts. Let me tell you, you guys, we're studying through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a, an account of, what did you guys say? Prayer. prayer. That's right, prayer too. Okay. Um, even more than that, even more than, than almost anything you guys said. Um, we're going through the book of Acts the book of Acts is an account of what Dr. Luke wrote about what the Holy Spirit of Jesus did when Jesus stepped off this planet what Jesus the Holy Spirit of God did through the disciples who he used to change the world who told people about what he'd done who told other people and finally told people at the cornerstone for the past 2,000 years the Holy Spirit of God has been transforming people's lives and we're no exception. So we're in Acts chapter 13. And where we are is in Turkey. Um, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, in Antioch. And this, and Paul has just preached his first recorded sermon. And this is where we are. For Acts 13, verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. Okay, you guys going to need to remind me in a couple minutes what theme... I'm going to forget to tell you what theme I was going for there. So they leave, they, um, they leave the synagogue, and they invite them to come back. Hey, come back, come back to Sabbath next Saturday. So when, this, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Wow! When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. What's a Gentile? Non-Jew. person who's not a Jew. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. So then now he quotes Isaiah 49, verse 6. He quotes a, a conversation, a, a prophetic conversation between the Father God and Jesus, the Son of God, um, where, where the Father is saying this, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so what Paul's saying is, okay, we talked to you Jewish people first because we wanted you to get this, but since you don't want it, we are turning to the Gentiles. This is, this is a historic point in time. Verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of God, and all who were appointed to for eternal life believed. It's like the Gentiles looked at each other and said, "Right on, dude. We we are in this thing that we thought we were left out of." They accept it. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews, incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they, so Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet in protest. This was an act of protest. saying, okay, fine, we, we don't even want your dust um, clinging to us. And they went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what does this have to do with us? It's possible for us to read this and think, okay, cool, so... The uh, Holy Spirit of God and some apostles did something a long time ago, and some people rejected the Word of God, and other people accepted it. And so, okay, what does that have to do with me right now in America at UTA in 2019? Cool. God did something there. Now let's move on. But there's something that is really easy for us to miss. So here's my question for you guys. What is the What is the biggest um political issue that divides the world today. Immigration, Immigration is a huge one. Healthcare. Immigration, healthcare is a huge one. In fact, speaking of healthcare, I want you guys to see a video. Okay? How this, do you is, this is Kiana, how do you feel about gun this control? is Kiana, and she's discussing, she, Kiana's a political science major at UTA. She's in Japan now for a couple of years. Hold on, don't, do don't play it yet. And this is her cat, so go ahead and start it over. And she's talking with her cat. This is, this is her political discussion with her cat. How do you, how do you feel about gun control? <laughs> do you have any thoughts on climate change? immigration how do you feel about Obamacare? <laughs> 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 okay so that's a little bit dated i think that was about four years ago and the big issues in america all the issues that you guys mentioned that I said the biggest political issues dividing the world today, you guys all mentioned issues that have to do with um, American issues. Uh, let me show you a picture that is related to the, the biggest issue that divides the people of the world. Okay? Okay. That's, that's me. So you can see that's a huge wall. And um, don't, tell, don't tell everybody what this is, but is there anybody who knows what this is? Okay. Okay, don't don't say don't say. Okay. This this wall is related to an issue that is that is is related to almost every terrorist attack. It's related to almost every um multinational economy situation. Huge part of the world economy. It ha- it is related to what 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 happened during World War I. It's related to what happened during World War II. And it's going to be the biggest divider of not only physical divider between people on this side of the wall and people on that side of the wall, but it's going to be the biggest divider of the nations of the world in the future. You guys know where this wall is? It's in Israel. It's in Israel. And this is just, this is between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I'd heard of this wall, but when I I first went there in 2014, um, the people who I was with, here's, let me just say, there are wonderful people on both sides of this wall. Precious people that Jesus died for. And the reason this wall stands is because the king of righteousness is not reigning supreme yet. Theoretically, he reigns supreme, but he hasn't forced his agenda on anybody. The people who consider him king have considered him king because they chose it. But when the king of righteousness reigns, this wall will be taken down. Okay. Okay. Now, what you guys didn't mention when I said, what are the biggest themes in the Bible? None of you mentioned the Jewish people and Israel. And the re- the reason I think we're taking, you think, well, how did you get that out of this, this Acts 13 bit? Well, I want you guys to see it. I want you guys to go back and and, and look at, just, just kind of, let's just skim through what we just talked about. So, first of all, what we've, we've talked about in the past few weeks is that that Paul comes into the city and he goes to the Jewish people first. Remember, the Jewish people are scattered all over the world; they were scattered over all over the world at that time. They're st- they've been scattered all over the world even to this day, although there has been a return to their homeland of Israel um, in the past over the past century. So there's this. Me- Paul goes in, into the city, the city in Antioch, and preaches a message of God to the Jewish people. That's what we've talked about. And then what I want you guys to see here is what we just talked about here in the first part of what we read is that they show some interest. And then they reject the message. And then Paul redirects that message that was for the Jews, that he brought to the Jews, and redirects it to the Gentile people. And the Gentiles accept the message. The message spreads over the whole region. Do you, have that, do you have that list of five or six or seven things there? Do you got them all on one page? No? If you don't, that's fine. Okay. And then, the last one, the last bit, is that Paul abandons them. Okay? So I just want you to that's just kind of summary of what we just read. Okay? Okay. Now, what I want us to do is think back. Of what we've been talking about maybe a few weeks ago. Remember when I had the 430 year thing? And we, we um, I hope I didn't lose too many people that night. But we talked about what Paul had preached was really not just something he was preaching then, but really had prophetic significance for the Jews over history all around the world. I want you guys to get with that, you with that idea. Would you just consider what this significance of these things might have? for the Jews in the bigger picture around the world. So what, this is something that really happened in Pisidian Antioch. But I want you to think about what God's done with the Jews through history. Okay? So first of all, God's message is presented to the Jewish people. Okay? Did that happen? Sure it happened. When did it happen? It happened starting with Abraham, then Jacob, then Moses, then Joshua, you guys with me? Then the judges, then the prophets, and the scripture, all these things. God presented himself to the Jewish people. And they showed some interest, but they rejected the message ultimately. So the that, whoops, that's a misspelling. The Jews, the message that was supposed to go to the Jews was redirected to the Gentiles. Got any Gentiles in this room? Yeah. We're the Gentiles. Aren't we glad? Okay. So because of their rejection of the message, the message was redirected to the Gentiles. The Gentiles accept the message to billion people, about one-third of the world's population, at least claims that they're followers of Jesus. The message spreads to the whole region, spreads to the whole world. And then, now here, so so you see the similarities there. What happened in Pisidian and Kiyaka, what's happened in the world in general? You see that? Are you guys with me? Okay. You get to this last one. Paul abandons them. He's like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. And he abandons them. Okay, here's my question for you guys. Has God abandoned the Jewish people? Okay, no. He has not. Okay, let me ask you this. Have all the promises that, uh, that he gave to the Jewish people in the Old Testament times, have they been reapplied to the Gentile church? Kind of trick question, right? Have they or have they not? Okay, so in a sense, they have been. Does that mean if they've been if if those promises have been reapplied, redirected to the Gentile church of Jesus, does that mean that they no longer apply to the Jewish people? Okay is so back again has did god abandon the jewish people N- definitely not permanently Def- definitely not but but let me just let me just r- r- let you guys understand there's been a shift in christian theology over the past really 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 over the past 100 years because for so long the christian way of thinking about the jewish people was something that's called replacement theology that some of you have probably grown up in that everything that, the, that, that God had promised the Jews has been reapplied to the church, and therefore the Jews are no longer, they're no longer anything special. And this became so strong in history, in Christian history, that if you read some of the people who the Christian leaders who some of you really respect, you'd be shocked to hear the things that they spoke about the Jewish people derogatory things, because the idea was that they had rejected their Messiah, therefore God has rejected them, and if God has rejected them, then we as Christians should also reject them. And that led, that ideology, really, and there, you know, there, was, a, there was a pamphlet written by Martin Luther, the, the, the Protestant reformer, who was so derogatory toward the Jews in Germany that it really, if you follow that, that ideology that the church accepted against the Jewish people really was what led to Hitler doing his thing. Even though Hitler was by no means a part of the church, the ideology came from the church. This is horrific, guys. This is is terrible. But even to this day, there are still people who, who insist that the promises that were made to Israel are now... Totally apply to the church and there's nothing special about the Jewish people. So that, that, that way of thinking stems from, a, from an assumption that the covenants, the covenant promises that God made to Israel, that all the covenant promises, all the, the agreements, the covenant means agreement, that that was, that somehow they're all lumped in one category. But what I want you guys to see is that there, there's, there, that not all the covenants are the same. There were covenants that God made with his people, the Jews, that were unconditional. There were other covenants that God made that were conditional. And what what the church made the mistake of doing for so many hundreds of years is to step back and say, if, if, if there's a conditional clause in the covenant that God made with Israel, well, that must apply to all the covenants. But I want you guys to see that that's not the case. Are you guys with me? Because this is important. It's, there's so much that, that the Bible talks about the nation of Israel that it's easy for us to miss if we don't understand what these covenants are. Okay, so we're going to look at at the covenant. First of all, we're going to look at the covenant that was made with Abraham, okay? So the covenant, we're going to look at two covenants, one that's made with Abraham, and that's in Genesis 15. So guys, look at Genesis 15. Genesis 15, This the, this is where God promises, he's already promised Abraham in Genesis 12 that he would build Abraham into a great nation and that the earth would be affected by his offspring. But here, he speaks to Abraham about land, about the land of what we we call Israel or Palestine. Okay, so verse 7 of of Genesis 15. You guys with me? Okay, I hope you guys are excited about this. Okay, verse 7, God and Abraham that are having a conversation, and he said to him, God says to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Why did he bring him out of the land of the Chaldeans? To take possession of that specific land. And but Abraham said, Oh sovereign Lord, how can I how can I know that I'll take possession of it? He's like, Yeah, right, how's that gonna happen? And God says, Okay, this is the answer. So God said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. We can talk about what, all, what the meanings of all those animals are. So Abraham, verse 10, Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. So you guys understand what's going on here. There's a cultural thing that's happening here where when, you know, now what do we do? We shake hands or we sign a, we sign a, a contract, right? But think about what, what the society that Abraham's living in where, this, the, where people don't have paper, at least not very easily, and they make a contract by taking an animal and they cut it in half and say, okay, this is, this is our agreement, and if either one of us breaks this contract, then so they, they split the animal in half. Do you guys understand this? Put half the animal here, half the animal here. They walk through the middle of it and say, if anybody breaks the, con- the agreement that we're making, then you and I are going to be split in half, or whoever, whoever it was that broke the contract gets, gets to be killed. That's the idea. You guys with me? Okay, so that's so that's what's going on here. So as the sun was over, so he he, he arranged the halves opposite each other, ready for the, the two of them to walk down. The birds of prey came in, came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. This is a picture of the birds of prey. In the, in so many times in the Scripture represent demonic forces. And they come to try to mess up this contract between God and humanity. That's the symbolism that's going on here. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, "'Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years.'" What country is that? Egypt. "'But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions.'" You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a, at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here in this land where they are right now, that Abraham doesn't, hasn't yet inherited. And by that time, the sin of the Amorites will have reached its full measure. Okay. When Verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. What's that all about? Okay, this, God, and, God and Abraham are, are going to make an agreement. They they cut these animals in half, put one on this side, half on this side, half on this side, and Abraham goes to sleep. They don't. They've made the agreement. They haven't, they haven't. They haven't shook hands. The equivalent. Of, they haven't made. They have shook on this. They haven't signed on the dotted line yet. Abraham gets tired. He goes to sleep, and he has a whether it's a vision or whether this is actually happening, he sees there's a smoking, what does it say? Smoky fire pot and blazing torch. What is that all about? What does that represent? Uh, yeah. I think it represents the right. Can you think of a time when, God, when the presence of God was smoke and fire? Yeah, several times. One of which is the, the, the cloud by day and fire by night. I mean, this is the presence of God. This is a, 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 a presentation of God's presence here. And God walks between these animals. These animals, he doesn't walk, but somehow this, this representation of God moves between these halves of the animals without Abraham. Why is Abraham not there walking with him? Because this is a one-way, unconditional promise from God that that will not, cannot be broken because God cannot lie. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates. Okay, guys, what's the point here? The point is that this is a covenant, this is an agreement that God makes with Abraham that nothing Abraham can do will change. It's unconditional covenant, unconditional agreement. Are you guys with me? Okay. That's different than what we find out with Moses. So guys, flip over to Leviticus 26.3. 430-something years later, Leviticus twenty six. Three, and God clarifies the terms of a different agreement. They're related, but they're not the same agreement. Okay, so um, Leviticus twenty-six, three. Actually, let's start in verse two because there's something in verse two that comes up later on. Okay, Leviticus tw- twenty-six, two. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. And then you think that he's switching subjects by going to the next sentence, but he's not. Let's look at verse 3. You guys still with me? You guys still interested in this? I got, oh yeah, thank you, man. Okay. Okay, I want you to look at verse 3 circle the first word. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, then, it doesn't have the word then, but the, the implication is then, I will send you rain You guys see that? And the ground will use its crops. Verse 5, your threshing floor will will produce. Verse 6, I will grant peace in the land. I will uh, will remove savage beasts. Verse 7, you'll pursue your enemies. In other words, you're going to be victorious. Verse 9, I will look with you on favor and make you fruitful and increase your number. Verse 11, I will put my, and if if you'll obey my commands, I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. Sounds great, right? Is this a conditional covenant? Is this a conditional agreement? Yeah. Absolutely. This is conditional. He said, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. If, if, you do, if you obey me, you're going to get good stuff. But then look at verse 14. This is the bad side of it. But if, circle, again, circle that if. If you will not listen to me, verse 15, and if you reject my decrees, then verse 16, then I will do this to you, and this is pitiful, this is sickening, I will bring upon you sudden tear, disease, fever, destroy your sight, and drain away your life. You will plant in vain, I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you. Verse 18, if, circle that again, If if after all this you will not listen, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. We talked about that a few weeks back, right? Verse 21, if, circle that again, if you remain hostile toward me, I will multiply your affliction seven times over. He says it again. Verse 23, if in spite of these things you do not accept my correction, but continue in in being hostile to me, I myself will be hostile towards you and will afflict you for your sins seven times over. Do you think he's serious about what he's saying? Just said it three times. Verse 27, if in spite of this you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile towards me, then my anger, then in my anger I will be hostile towards you, and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. That's the fourth time he said it. I think he's serious. Verse thirty four. He said, he tells him, Okay, if, if you don't obey me, you're gonna you're gonna lose. And you're going to be kicked out of the land. I'm going to take you out of this land. And, and here's the connection with the Sabbath. Verse 2, we talked about the Sabbath, the, the Sabbath rest. Then the land, look here. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath rest all the time that it lies desolate and you are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbath. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the sabbaths you lived on it. Okay. Here's the point, guys. God God cared about the Jewish people obeying his commands. In fact, he sums up the commands, his the, the way that the Jews would be blessed in one verse in Deuteronomy 6:25. He says, "If you people, my people, speaking of the Jews, if you Jewish people obey all the laws then you'll be righteous. That's basically what he says. Your righteousness will come from obeying all these laws. Did it work? No way. It didn't work. They, they not only disobeyed the laws, they purposefully disobeyed the laws. Okay. Here's what I want what I you guys to see with those two covenants. you got the, the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant with Abraham, and is that conditional or unconditional? It's unconditional. Okay. The covenant with Moses, is that conditional or unconditional? Conditional. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead here. There's so much that I'd like to share with you guys, but I think we're going to be out of time. Okay, let's go back to, let's do this. Let's go back to the question that I asked you, has God abandoned the Jews? And the answer is no. And I want you guys to make sure that you understand that the answer is no by looking at Romans 11, okay? So Romans 11, verse 1 and 2, Paul asked this question. And it's amazing that this could be so clear in the Bible and still there are people who really do believe in Jesus who still make the mistake of misunderstanding this. Romans twelve, Romans 11, 1 and 2, Paul is writing to the, to the church explaining the situation with Israel, and he says this. I asked them, did God reject his people? By no means. He's, and then he goes on and says, I'm, a, I'm an Israelite, and I'm saved, so obviously he didn't reject me. And then down in verse... 11 if you guys look in verse 11 he asked the same kind of question again he said again i asked did they stumble as to fall beyond recovery again he says not at all you guys get the point you guys still with me okay then down in verse 25 okay here's here's where you guys gonna get excited and we got three minutes left here okay I do, verse 25, I do not want you to be I- ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. He's speaking to Gentiles. He's saying Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles come in. Okay, here's, here's what I want you guys to get. He says there is hardening in the hearts of Jewish people that is going to be thawed. That, that hardening... Is is gonna get soft at a certain point in the future. At what point in the future does he say? The full number of the Gentiles comes in. Okay, what is that? Okay, is that just gotta have a number in mind like he's counting people and is I mean maybe he does. But here's what I think what what does it mean? Has anybody got any idea when that is there any other scripture that you can think of that tells us about the full, the, about the full number. Okay, I'm going to give you a hint. Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom, this message of Jesus, this gospel of the kingdom will, will preach the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then what happens? The end of What? What? Okay, is the end of the world? Guys, understand, there's always talk about the end of the world. Guys, the, the, the promise of God is that there is a remade land and sky, but that Jesus reigns for a throne in Jerusalem, that he's promised the, 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 the kingdom of David to sit on David's throne, and so far he hasn't done that, but he's going to do it. And what, and what the promise was made to Mary is that he will do that for how long? Ever and ever. because this is what we're headed for. This is what the Bible says. Okay? Some of you guys are like, what is What are you talking about? Okay. Guys, the end of what? It's not the end of the world. It's the end of, somebody said, the age. What age? What is, it? What is the age we're in right now? This is the church age. This is, this is, this is the church age. This is a period of time in the middle of the history of God working with the Jewish people, where God takes his attention off of the Jewish people to save the rest of the world, because the Jews didn't do what they were supposed to do in the first place. So instead, he, he does it. He reaches out, and he says that the end comes when every ethnicity has heard. Guys, we're getting close. We're getting really, really close. Now, there's another verse. There's a couple other verses that... That I want you guys to put together here. See if you can figure this out. Luke 21, 24. Jesus is telling what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He's speaking. This is about 32 AD. And he's speaking about something that's going to happen 38 years later. This is what he says. Luke 21, 24. See if you guys can put this together. Figure this out. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all nations. Who is he speaking of? the Jewish people, Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles, what does it say? Until, circle the word until, until when? Okay, do you think the times of the Gentiles, that phrase, equals the phrase that we just read earlier about the full number of Gentiles? Sure, same thing, okay? Okay, here's what I want you guys to get. Full number of Gentiles, that phrase equals the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled, and equals the end of the trampling of Jerusalem. You see what he says about Jerusalem? That Jerusalem will be trampled on by her enemies until this church age is over. And probably what that means is also that this this, this equals the time of her rapture. If the rapture happens the way that it seems like the Bible's teaching. Okay? Do you guys understand? Okay. So, let me let me ask you again. If the rapture and the times of the Gentiles and the full number of Gentiles coming in and the church age is all kind of synonymous, then what, what are we waiting for? I know we're over, guys. I got started late, so I'll... You can, you you don't have to pay as much if I go over (laughs) time. Okay. Okay, what should we be looking for, guys? Okay, is, think about Jerusalem. There's a key here about Jerusalem being trampled on by the Gentiles until a certain period of time. There's also a certain period of time where the, all ethnicities, no, those times line up perfectly. Just you watch and see. Now, there was a false alarm. Do you, you guys remember what we talked about that happened in June 1967? For the first time in 2,000 years, the Jewish people took the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount was no longer being trampled on by Gentiles. For the first time in 2,000 years, actually 1900 years, we'll talk, we could talk more about that if we had time, but, but 1900 years, they, they stand on the Temple Mount, they liberate the Temple Mount from Gentiles. And what happens? And the, and if I'd been—I mean, I was alive, but I was just a kid. But if I was where I where I am right now in my Bible study, I'd be like, "Okay, Jesus, come on." But what happened? Guys, this is fascinating. What happened? From the from a human perspective, Moshe Dayan, one of the leading the leaders of the of the Israeli military, says, "We're going to let." We're going to give it back to the Arabs and hands back the Temple Mount to the, to Islam and walks off peacefully because he wanted to prove that that Israel could abide in peace with their neighbors. That's what happened on the physical level. What's happening from God's perspective is God says times of the Gentiles are not quite fulfilled. So I'm, I'm, I'm not ready for this to happen. It's a hint of what's going to happen, but there's still some time. Which meant that the people of God still have an opportunity to finish what Jesus said would happen in Matthew 24, 14. That this gospel of the kingdom would be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, including all the people at UTA, and then then will come. The end of what? The end of this church age. When Jesus returns. And there's a, there's, you know, maybe I should take another week and explain something about how this is going to pan out, because it's exciting, but, but here's, here's where we are now, because we're five minutes, six minutes late, and, and we got, we got Tent America happening, so this is what we're going to do right now. I want you guys to think about what your part is in Matthew twenty four fourteen. Jesus, um, Hebrews ten thirteen says, and since the time that Jesus stepped off this planet, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. You waiting for Jesus to come back? Yes, Lord, come back. Come, come, come. My heart cries out, Lord Jesus, come back. But you know who's waiting more desperately than I am? Jesus is according to Hebrews ten thirteen. Jesus gave us a job to do, and he's not going to finish it up until we do the job that he gave us to do when he left. Are you guys with me? So, what, so, as daniel was, Daniel's worked hard to getting this Ten America thing set up, and we're, for the next twenty four hours we're at twenty three hours and fifty five minutes because I went overtime um there's gonna be people out there worshiping jesus and and praying for this campus, okay, so this is what we're doing we're 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 not all going to be here for the next twenty four hours in fact, i got to get, get up and get on a plane, get up tomorrow at five a m and go to California for a wedding, but so I missed the Tenth America thing this year but we're going to be praying. And what we're praying for is the fulfillment of God's plan in this world. The, f- the, f- the finishing up, the last bit of building this kingdom before Jesus steps back on this planet. I can't wait. I'm living for that day. I live for that every day. Every day. I mean, you guys know that I'm counting other days until I turn 80. But I just hope that, I may, that, that Jesus comes and finishes this up because we finish our part. So that's what we're going to do out there, okay? So let's let's stand up. You know what? I'm not going to close in prayer. What instead we're going to do is we're going to go out there, and we're going to, you guys, give us five minutes, okay? Come on. I, I put a lot of energy. I woke up at 3, in, three this morning and started working on this because um, I'm so excited about it. I couldn't sleep last night. So so guys, give us five minutes to go outside, and let's just gather around that tent, and we're going to sing a couple songs, and then, and then, you know, then we're done, okay? So let's see how quickly we can get out there. Let's go.